This is a Federal News Network podcast. A new funding program from the Energy Department aims to enlist poor and underserved communities in finding answers to climate questions. The Inclusive Energy Innovation Prizes will give challenge winners up to $250,000 for ideas they can develop into clean energy technologies. Here with details, the Innovation and Market Transformation Advisor for DOE's Water Power Technologies Office, Rukmani Vijayaragavan. Ms. Vijayaragavan, good to have you on. Thanks, Tom. Well, tell us about this program. This is a challenge prize program, not a grant program. What is the challenge Mm -hmm. that you are posing here? Yeah, so this is a prize meant for organizations that are working with disadvantaged communities. And the goal of this prize is to propose future efforts to really support clean energy innovation and entrepreneurship in disadvantaged communities. So we want to support organizations that are community-centric, that have successfully engaged with disadvantaged communities, those that promote energy justice, environment and climate justice, and essentially serve as bridges between DOE and disadvantaged communities that aren't necessarily aware of or have strong connections to what we do at the Department of Energy. Well, if they get a prize, what will they have demonstrated that would be worthy of the prize? Because if you're looking for, I'm just guessing, new technologies, that's not going to necessarily come from just any old place. Yeah, this prize isn't specifically for technology. So we will sort of participate in the prize. We ask teams to submit essentially an impact statement of around 5,000 words describing who they are, what they do, what they plan to do, and a three-minute video. And we have very clear criteria that we use to evaluate these impact statements and decide who would win a prize. So these criteria are based on their experiences in engaging and working with disadvantaged communities, what activities they plan to do with the prize funding, what their long-term vision and what their impacts are. Well, without giving away the store so that people could get a prize from what you say, but can you think of an example Mm -hmm. of what type of activity an organization receiving a prize might do? Just give us an example. Yeah, sure. So there are different types of activities we envision. One is We envision universities and colleges that have strong ties to communities and serve large numbers of students from underrepresented populations developing services that for clean energy-related incubation, clean energy-related entrepreneurship, or we envision community-centric organizations that are really working on grassroots innovation related to applying clean energy in their communities. So it's really a pretty open-ended prize. We really want to hear ideas from communities themselves. But these are some, you know, some examples of activities they'll do. And, you know, one thing we really want to emphasize is that we are not just looking to support or not even necessarily looking to support organizations, you know, quote-unquote deep tech and the nitty-gritty of technology are organizations that are embedded within large research institutions, but we want to really support those who have ties to the community and have experience engaging disadvantaged communities. We're speaking with Rukmani Vijayaragavan. She is the Innovation and Market Transformation Advisor for the Department of Energy's Water Power Technologies Office. And I just wanted to ask you, since you are an expert in water power, 
which I think mm-hmm. of as dams and hydroelectric. That doesn't sound like something that would have a lot of application in urban areas, for example. So we do um, hydropower for sure, but we also support marine energy, and we hope we'll have applications in both urban areas, in rural areas, in coastal areas, around near rivers, all across the country, really. So you know, hydropower is one of our largest sources of clean energy, of carbon-free energy in the U.S., and you know, provides electricity to a number of cities across the country, to a number of small towns. There are also a number of other opportunities in hydropower. For instance, one of our most significant sources, particularly important as we have more um, renewable energy sources coming online that are more periodic than other farms. Not everything is the Hoover Dam, in other words. Yeah, and marine energy is also something our office supports and funds, and this is a newer form of renewable energy that is a little less mature than hydropower or even wind and solar energy. So this is tapping energy from flowing rivers, from ocean waves, ocean currents, even tides, and harnessing that energy of flowing water into producing electricity. And so we support foundational research, we support applications, support integration of marine energy with the blue economy and try to tap into this huge source of renewable energy that we haven't been able to tap into yet. All right. And I can think of some pretty bad ponds in and around Baltimore that might have algae that could produce a lot of energy. And maybe someday you'll figure out a way to harness the political hot air. You know, that could produce a lot of energy, too, better than it's doing now. And getting back to the grant program, what are the timelines here and what is the total amount you plan to give out by when? And then what happens? Yeah. So the entries for this prize are due on February 25th, 2022. And we hope to have announcements and decisions on who the winners are by March. And we will initially give out $2 million. So we anticipate that up to 10 teams will receive $200,000 each in cash. And the goal is that these funds would be used to carry out the activities they described in their impact plan. And 12 months after the closing of this phase and the announcements, we'll bring in entries for a new phase that the 10 winning teams will be eligible to compete in. And in that phase, we will have an additional at least half a million dollars available for teams that have made the most progress towards their goals and shown significant advancements in their activity during the last year. Rukmani Vijayaragavan is the Innovation and Market Transformation Advisor for the Department of Energy's Water Power Technologies Office. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Tom. It was a pleasure talking to you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. 
phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. 
and you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. T- can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing, if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WAPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.